0: Prior to the upper room and the Last Supper, you'll remember Jesus was always getting his followers ready for what was going to take place. On his way to Jerusalem, he said, we're going up. I'll I'll be betrayed. I will be handed over to the religious leaders. I will be beaten. I will be crucified, but I will rise again. And now after that, still in the upper room and um, knowing that what was going to be beyond that, he prepared his disciples for his departure. In John 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. I go and I'll prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. But he was preparing them, and they were troubled, thinking, well, where are you going? So I want us to read in John chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. And again, this is the words of Jesus. And he's not only trying to prepare them that he's going to be leaving, he will come again. But he said, in the meantime, I won't leave you as orphans. In fact, he said, I'm going to ask the father when I get home that he'll send you another comforter, another helper. And in verse 7 of chapter 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he said. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you will see me no more, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not only speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So in recent times, recent days, the Lord has been impressing upon me that we collectively, including myself, need to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And more aware of his presence. And uh, I know that a lot of churches being seeker sensitive have sort of downplayed this. So that we wouldn't offend people. But in the process we could offend God. So we need to be more aware of who he is. And what he wants to accomplish. And so in the coming weeks, I'm going to speak on, well, let's be a spirit-filled church. Not seeker-sensitive, but spirit-sensitive. Because no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws. And when he shows up, we become aware of our need of Christ. And he draws us, he convicts us of sin. And thank God for that. When you have pain in your body it's because something is out of alignment. It's your friend even though you might not think that. (laughs) But thank God the Holy Spirit comes to convict us when we go wrong. Why? Because he loves us. He said that's the wrong way. That that leads to total destruction and separation from God. Don't go that way. So it's in love and mercy that he does. And so today I In order for us to fully embrace all that Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, we need to become more aware of who He is so that we could fully embrace what He wants. Over time, there's been abuse and, you know, crazy things happen and they think, well, this is revival. But Holy Spirit won't make us act foolish. He will empower us. He will give us wisdom beyond human intellect called revelation knowledge. He will empower us to be effective for him. And when people see the difference that he makes in our lives and in our midst, he will attract people unto himself. And people say, I need that. I want that. But we need to welcome him. We need to be open to him, more receptive to him, so that he could move freely in our midst. He's as gentle as a dove, but he comes where he's welcomed. And so this morning I want to talk on who is the Holy Spirit. First of all, he's a real person. How do we know that? You read through John 14, 15, and 16, even what we read here this morning. And every time Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he called him a person. Not when it is come, but when he is come. Underline the personal pronouns. Because Holy Spirit is a real person. And what are the properties of a real person? What makes us a real person? We're a spirit being and we live in a physical body. But we have intellect made in God's image and likeness. We can think. We can make wise choices. We can speak. We have feelings. We know what it is to be loved. We know what it is to be wounded. And we have a will. And God will never violate our free will. Whosoever will may come. It's a choice. And so Holy Spirit is a real person because look at the personal pronouns. When he has come, he will lead you into all truth and he has intellect. He's intelligent. He is the mind of God. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 and 12, it says that no one knows the deep things of God except Holy Spirit. He is the mind of God. And he has emotions. In Ephesians 4, 3, 30, it says he can be grieved. We can quench. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. How? By resisting him. If he prompts us to do something, say, I don't want to do that. What will people think? Who cares what people think? What will God think? 1 Thessalonians 4, or 5, verse 19, he can be quenched. So he's a real person. He's an intelligent person. He has feelings and emotions. He can be quenched. He can be grieved. Or he could be welcomed and honored. And he has a will, just like us. How do we know that? Well, if you read in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit said, through the elders, separate Paul and Barnabas for the ministry that I've called them to. So he gave a command and a direction. And if you read on through the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul was one of the greatest heroes of the faith. And he went everywhere preaching the gospel, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles also. And we become grafted in. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. And so... He was so zealous for the Lord when he got saved. He went everywhere preaching the gospel because the Bible says, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel." So if you read in Acts chapter 16, it says that Paul started heading south, going towards Florida. Well, no, not really, Bithynia, and and uh, and and the Spirit said, "Don't go there." So Paul had some frustrating days. We don't; they didn't have cars. Like you know, they had ten-speed camels, maybe. But it, but he was heading south, and it was it was a journey. And he felt checked. The Holy Spirit said, "I don't want you down here." So then he said, "Okay, I'll start heading east, start heading towards Asia." And again, the Spirit said, "No, I don't want you to do that." So Paul ends up in Troas, frustrated. He said, Lord, I don't understand. You told me, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the Holy Spirit, not there, not there. What do you want me to do? And at night, he had a vision. And a person over in Philippi said, come over here and help us. And he knew that's where God wanted him to go And that was a major shift because the gospel didn't go to Asia. It came to Western Europe, Spain, England, Canada, United States. It all shifted this way because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has intellect. He has emotions. He has a will. He's not an impersonal power. Like electricity. If I put my finger in a socket, I I'd go like that. But that's not the purpose of electricity. It's power to give us light. Holy Spirit's not an impersonal power. He's a real person, an intelligent person, a person who draws us to himself, to the Lord. And not only that, he has intellect, will, and emotions. But he's not just any person. Secondly, he's a divine person. Holy Spirit is God. Say that with me. Holy Spirit is God. We often think of him just being an personal power, but he's God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He was present at creation. The earth was a form and void, but Holy Spirit breathed and moved over the darkness, and he brought creation out of chaos. He was present when God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and the breath of God came into man and we became a living soul. He was present at the baptism of Jesus before he began to preach a message he was baptized and of course baptism talks about being dead to sin and alive to God and when Jesus was baptized, he was saying, I'm laying down my life to become sin for the world, but I'll rise again with power and authority. And as he came up out of the water, because John said, I'm not worthy to baptize, you know, that all righteousness be fulfilled, John, baptize me. And when he came up, you read it in the Gospels, the heavens opened, the Father spoke, and Holy Spirit came upon him. I'll do another message later on. But everything Jesus did was in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Not because he was God, but because he was anointed of the Holy Spirit. And as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. That's another message. Okay. Anyway, I just want us to focus on who he is. He's a real person. He's a divine person. He's much as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man. Isaiah goes into the temple and it was filled with the glory of God and he heard who will we send and who will go not for me but who will go for us. And the Spirit, he said, here my Lord, send me. So he's a divine person. He is the mind of God. He knows the secrets of God. He is the heart of God. He's an important person, a valuable person. Something not added on, but he has a valuable ministry he wants to accomplish in our lives here today. But in order for us to fully embrace what he wants to do, we need to recognize that he is a person, not a force, a real person. God, the Holy Spirit, an important, valuable person. Why do I say that? Because this word came to us. This isn't man's thoughts about God. These are God's words. God the Holy Spirit moved upon men of God of old who were inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us the Word of God. That's why it never loses its attraction. This is the only book that can feed your spirit being. We are a spirit being. When you die, you still remain being that person you are inside of you. And this is the only book, the God-breathed word of God that can feed your spirit. That's why you get tired of Mary had a little lamb and Goldilocks, but you never tire of the word of God because it's a living God-breathed word. These are God's words. This book contains God's presence and God's power. And it was given to us by Holy Spirit. Written 1,600 years ago, 40 different writers, but one author. God takes ownership. This is my book. And men were moved upon by Holy Spirit. This is spirit and life my word is spirit and life the only book that can feed us so he's a real person an important person because in Corinthians 1 12 3 says no one can call Jesus Lord with authenticity except by the Holy Spirit you see Only the Holy Spirit can cause us to be born again. And when he comes in, old things pass away and all things become new. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter in. He'll say, I didn't know you. But he'll know us. Because no one can call Jesus Lord with any authenticity except by Holy Spirit being born again. How many know him this morning? We can where we're born of His Spirit. It's not something religious, it's relational. He dwells within us, He walks with us, He talks with us. He's in us, He's for us. He'll lead us in paths of righteousness. He'll convict us when we go wrong, thank God. And He'll motivate us and come in paths of righteousness saying this is the way, walk in it. He'll speak to us if we listen. So He's an important person. Did you ever realize how Jesus came into the world? He was conceived by Holy Spirit. Think of it. That was how He entered he- en- en- entered Earth. The power of the Most High, Holy Spirit, overshadowed Mary, and created in her the seed of God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. I mean, I could stop right there. But I mean, I just want to cause you to become aware. And only God can awaken in us and in my own heart a fresh awareness of who He is and all that He wants to do. But because of abuse and misuse we shy away from And so I want to dismiss that and present to you who he is, what he wants to do, and that it takes greater responsibility to have a Spirit-filled church than just an ordinary evangelical church. Because he wants to impart to us gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts, words of wisdom, knowledge, miracles, healing, discerning of spirits. He wants to impart to us giftings that will cause us to be victorious and effective and people will see the difference that he makes in our lives. And so he wants to cultivate in us the fruit of the spirit, The character of Christ. It can't be manufactured. It has to be birthed in us. We have to keep growing in Him. And hopefully, we're better this time of this year than we were this time last year. That we keep on growing. We keep on the stretch. We keep reaching out. We keep responding and become more and more like Him. So, He's an important person. And He gives us power. To witness for him. He, he will impart to us the, the courage and the strength to speak up and make wise appeal. And so it's by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Romans eight twenty six we don't always know how to pray, but the Spirit himself will pray through us with groanings and utterings that can't be understood by natural mind. That's why the enemy sort of downplays the speaking in tongues, because even he doesn't understand that. It's our hotline to heaven. And so he tries to belittle that. And I often wonder, well, why did God choose it that way? Because the tongue is the most unruly part of our being. With it we can curse man and we can bless God and it shouldn't be that way. But when we're totally yielded to him, not it, but him, he will empower us. There'll come times when you won't know what to pray for. There's come times in my life where I thought, how will we handle that? But as I said, pray in the Spirit. He will give direction and wisdom. I share stories not to think, oh, look at how good he is, but to encourage you of what God still does today than what he did in days gone by. When I went to Georgetown the first time, it was absolutely broke and devastated. We had 25 people. Everybody went to Mississauga or Brampton, Kennedy Road. But nobody. They lived in town, but they went everywhere else. But God called me there. He called us there. This is my better half, and she has a name. I don't call her it. This is my wife Doris. This is my first wife. Yeah, yeah. I always had a fellow in Burlington. He said, "This is my first wife, Helen," and people think, oh, what's that?" He just wanted them to know he hasn't married anybody else. You know. <laughs> so, but when I, when I was in Georgetown the first time, and you know. It was bankrupt, it was down to a handful of people. And the treasurer, Bill Sears, bless his heart, he'd phone up and say you're two thousand behind. And we were just sinking all the time. So I went in and I said, God, I don't know I don't know what to do. I know you called me here and I prayed in the spirit. And as I said, just worshipped him. And that's the entrance to his presence is worship in spirit and in truth. And as I worshiped him and prayed in the spirit, afterwards he gave me an idea. I knew it was God because I'm not that smart. And he said, you're developing assembly, right? Yeah. Go and meet with the district, and I'll tell you what to tell them. So I went to ask, and I went and met the district executive. I took my treasurer along with me, reluctantly, because he knew what was in the books. And I went in, and I looked at all the men there, and I said, uh, this is our budget. Can you run your church on a budget like this? Can you? No. Can you? No. I said, I can't either. So they were expecting me to ask for money, and I knew they'd say no. But what God told me was, I said, God has called me here to succeed and to be victorious. And I said, we're a developing assembly, right? Right. Home Mission Church, right? Right. So I just want to ask permission that on Sunday nights They still had Sunday nights back then, that I could go across the district and raise a home mission offering. Well, so they sent me out, called me back in. And they said, Well, we've discussed this, and maybe just in your own section, but not the whole district. I said, Okay. And so, I went to Kitchener Gospel Temple, and they sent their youth pastor to preach for me. And I raised $20,000. I went to Cambridge and raised 15000 And that became a turning point. But it was the Holy Spirit that showed me what to do. And we need to allow him to pray through us. I don't know what challenges you face at times, But in the natural, you can get overwhelmed. But if you just turn to God and and say, Lord, I need your help, and just begin to worship him, that attracts his presence. And then let the Spirit of God begin to pray through you. And afterwards, he'll give you a thought, a truth, a directive, because he's a real person. He's an important person. Gives supernatural giftings. And he wants to empower us. But he's an accessible person. He's an available person. He comes. Not only to cause us to be born again. But to be spirit filled. I'll talk on that next week. What it means and why it's important. But today I just want to encourage you, he comes where he's welcomed. We need to welcome him. We need to ask God to forgive us for becoming insensitive to. And relying upon our smartness and denying him. He comes where he's welcomed. And we need to welcome him. If there's ever a time we need a move of God, it's not by our ability, it's not by smoke and and you know glass. But it is by my spirit, through ordinary people like you and me, we are his body. He does indwell us, but he wants to fill us and empower us as we make room for him.